are taking over your airwaves. In three, two, one. One, one, one. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. All right, everyone, welcome to The Binge Buster Show. Uh, it is the day before Thanksgiving. We're almost at the end of our series on the greatest wrestling pay-per-views of all time, uh, Starcade. Uh, we have, uh, over the month, we have t- uh, look, looked at uh, several of, of, of the different pot of the um, Starcades from uh, so, so, you know, we start out with a, with the Starcade 86. We went to 83, 84. Uh, and this week we're going to go a few decades ahead as we're going to be talking Starcade 93. Uh, that's coming up a little bit later. But before I go any further, I want to bring on my co-hosts. I'm talking about Chris Plano and Jeff Patton. Guys, what is going on? Boy, terrific, Tony. Thank you for having me back. It's the night before Thanksgiving. I got the turkey and ham in the refrigerator. We're 24 hours away. I'm ready to go. And, uh, Jeff, I know you got a ton of food at your place, too, and then we're ready to rock and roll this thing. It's Thanksgiving week. It's Starcade. It's, it's the NWA. That's right. Can you hear it now? Gobble, 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 gobble. No. That's the gobbly gooker, Jeff. That's another show. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, man, uh excited about tonight's uh, broadcast or, or podcast with uh, Starcade 93. Yep. Um, coming coming from uh, yeah, from Chris's hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina. That's right. We're going to kick it back to uh, the old Independence Arena days of Starcade 93. Looking forward to it. Uh, uh, a lot of buildup for this show and a lot of storylines outside of this <laughs> particular pay-per-view as well. I think we're going to touch upon tonight yeah for sure now before guys but before we get into the show uh i, I want to talk about uh i guess the what the biggest story uh in pro wrestling this week uh the farewell of the undertaker did uh, you guys happen to catch any of that jeff i'll have you go first on that one i uh yeah i uh I haven't watched any wrestling in, in years. Uh, just uh, don't like the product. I mean, um, I don't even have the network. I know, shame on me. But, uh, yeah, um, but uh, definitely a uh, historic wrestling figure uh, over the last, uh, what, three, four decades? 30 years um, he was uh, in, mm-hmm. in wrestling and uh, with the WWE. Yeah. And, uh, and guys, if, if, if I can, if I can just think about this for a second, or we can think about this for a second in the seventies and eighties, there, there, there was an, an attraction. Uh, there was a wrestler that was a huge attraction. He, he, I mean, he, he definitely was, uh, solidified mostly with the WWE, but back in the territory days, uh, when, a cut, when a territory, certain territory, the, the rate, you know, the ratings were down, the ticket sales were down. Uh, the promoter would call uh, and get this guy, and I'm talking about the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant, 
and he was he was an attraction. He wasn't just uh, a wrestler. He was like, oh my God, Andre's coming to town. So you knew it was a big deal. And my opinion, I believe the Undertaker was like our version of the of Andre the Giant. I mean, yes, I, I mean, I yes, I, I I see the parallel absolutely. I mean, Andre for me, and give my age away here, guys. You know, my first time seeing Andre the Giant was in the late seventies, so when I was you know eight or nine years old, and he was bigger than life, Andre. There was no one even close. I mean, it was just like you were just in awe, right? Like, just, I mean, whatever was going on, and 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 Undertaker probably in some parallels the same way for for young fans over the last several decades, you, you know, to an extent. Um, but Andre will always be cemented in my mind when he walked to the ring. His head and neck was above. The crowd as he's oh, yeah. walking down the aisle, you know, you know, you know, to, to the ring. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very disappointed. Uh, you know, over the years, I've got to experience a lot of live wrestling, a lot of first. Uh, you know, I got to be present for, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four. I think four of the Starcades I got to see, um, and uh, I'm sorry, not four, three, because uh, you can't really the the. <laughs> The uh, WWE one, we, we, we can't really count that with that one, Crockett or WCW years. But uh, in any event, I got to see, uh, you know, uh, several of the Starcade events, the Great American Bashes, some of the really cool and, and um, things. I got to go to the very first Clash of the Champions there in Greensboro. So a, a lot of firsts for me. But one regret I have is I never saw Andre the Giant live. No, don't feel bad. Neither did I. So Chris, so I. Chris, you're the lucky one. Yeah, well, and, and you know, and and I, and I don't want to take anything away from Starcade '93. I, I know we've gone off a hair on a tangent here. You, you know, seeing Andre, you know, and, and I only seen him in one arena. That was in New Haven, Connecticut. It was an attraction, right? I'm sure. Seven foot six, five hundred pounds. However, they marketed him, it was an attraction. You know, I think every time he came to New Haven, you knew he was going to win. I, you you kind of right. had this thing, Andre's going to come in, destroy this guy. It was just an attraction. There was never really any buildup to any of his matches or storylines. It was more of he's coming to town. You know, he would come maybe once a year, maybe twice a year at best. And it, it, it sold tickets at the end of the day. Yeah. Right, for sure. Uh, you know, Andre was he was special, and uh, <laughs> we uh, I'm sure later on in the year, uh, we're, we'll we'll talk about Andre Andre the Giant. But uh, <laughs> there has been some funny Andre the Giant stories told, uh, and we'll definitely tell some of those uh, in our upcoming shows. Now, uh, speaking of shows, I know tonight we're going to be talking Star K ninety three, but I want to let the fans in on a little treat. This week is is the you know tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Uh, it's the day that we celebrate with our family and our friends. And um, but the Binge Buster Show is doing something special for you for you the fans. Uh, this week uh, tonight you uh, get you know your 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 normal Wednesday night Binge Buster Show podcast. But tomorrow, right after you spend time with your family 
And some of you guys out there, you know, when you get tired of hearing your wives complain, you're tired of hearing your kids cry, you're tired of hearing the in-laws bicker and, and go on about how dry the turkey was, then then go into another room, turn on, log into your Binge Buster uh, show on your favorite podcast platform as we are going to have a special Thanksgiving Day edition of the Binge Buster Show. And Chris and myself and Jeff are going to be talking about the greatest Starcade in the history of Starcades. And if you're a true wrestling fan and you've been listening and watching and keeping up with this series, you're going to be sitting there tomorrow and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. How how could I not know what the best Starcade was? Of course this is it. So you're going to have to tune in tomorrow to find out what that is. Or... Follow us on the Binge Buster Facebook page because it will be up there first thing in the in the morning on Thanksgiving Day. Um, but that's about it for that for our our, um, our announcements uh, right now. Jeff, uh, Chris, you guys have anything else? If not, we're going to get right into the show. Hey, all I want to say is you know you know kudos to the WWE about you know the Undertaker. They really built this up towards Survivor Series this past week. He did an awful lot for the WWE and professional wrestling as a whole. And, and one thing, one thing with him, he was always, always, always loyal to Vince McMahon. Yes. <laughs> Once he went there. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't think there's anything that anyone could take that away from him. And he had a character and an image that related to fans no matter what the perception of wrestling was, it related to it. It was always the mystique and it, and it, and it worked well throughout the many storylines he went through. Some were quirky, and, but overall it, it, it worked at the end of the day. The the cool thing about the undertaker was he, he, he continuously kept reinventing himself and staying fresh. And I think that's, that's the reason why that character lasted in WWE for 30 years. I mean, I don't think any other, uh, wrestler, superstar, whatever you want to call them, um, that has came to the WWE. I don't think anybody has ever been there 30 years like The Undertaker. Yeah, and uh, it's funny. I, if I'm not mistaken, he started in world-class championship wrestling. Was I think the first time I ever saw him as a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's wearing a mask. And then, of course, he went to WCW for a while. Uh as one of the skyscrapers, me, Mark Callis, and then uh, went to the WWF uh, and become The Undertaker. I, I still remember the first time he came out as The Undertaker. You know, I knew him as me, Mark Callis, or whatever. Yeah. I saw him, and they played the music, and I was like, wow, what in the world? Uh, <laughs> I was just amazed at the, the character and the way they portrayed him. And uh, then I think it, eventually they brought in Paul Bear as his uh, manager. Yeah, uh, the the cool thing about that is when he was in world class, he was actually uh, an, a, he he had a couple of gimmicks there. But his first gimmick in world class, he was called Texas Red, uh, and he said he said in a little interview I watched last night with Stone Cold, he um, he said I I came to the ring. He said I'm green uh, green as grass. He goes, and they got me there against Bruiser Brody, and I knew I was going to get killed. He said, next thing I know, I look on the on the apron, and there's Percy Pringle, and he goes, hey, kid, tonight I'm going to be your manager. 
you're going to get killed, but I'm going to be your manager. <laughs> he said, Percy was my manager. And he said that when he went to WWE, uh, they first had him with uh, Brother Love, but that, but that didn't work out because Brother Love was also working behind the scenes with Vince, uh, booking the, 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 you know, the, the territory, if you may. Um, so he couldn't be on the road all the time and do the house shows and stuff. So, uh, he said one day they, um, you know, they asked him, said, well, you know, had, had you ever had a manager before? He goes, well, yeah, one time in world class, I had Percy Pringle and they said, oh, well let's, let's, let's call Percy. And they got Percy in there. And he said, the coolest thing was they were, um, uh, he said, one thing about Vince that's so cool is he talks to people and says, you know, tell me about your background. Where you, you know, where, you know, where you come from, if you have any secret, you know, hidden talents or whatever. Uh, and Paul Bearer told him, said, yeah, I said, uh, I actually used to be, he, he goes, I went to college uh, to uh, to be a mortician. And he said that, uh, he said like the, everybody in the booking room just started popping. They said, oh my God, you're, you're perfect to be the undertaker's manager. And we got to come up with the name for you. And they come up with the name Paul bearer and, and said, you know, Percy already had that, that high pitched voice anyway. So, so it worked out perfect. So, uh, so it, 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 he, he, uh, undertaker said without, without Percy Pringle, he don't think the undertaker gimmick could have, could have, you know, could have made it because he, because Percy made that gimmick for him, you know, or basically made it, you know, he'll, he'll get it over by with, with his over the top promos. Yeah, if, if I if I could chime in quickly, I I got a couple of good Undertaker moments. Why? Um, and I, I know we got to get on to, to Starcade here. Um, I, funny story. I was in college, um, January '93 in Providence, Rhode Island. WWF brought King of the Ring to Providence on a Saturday night. Was the pay per view? That's when they did them back on Saturdays back then. It wasn't on Sunday night. That was the night, if you remember the pay-per-view, you may or may not. Um, I ended up bringing in a girl I was dating at that time in college, and my boss, my parents bought the tickets. They were supposed to meet me there as a surprise. Something happened. They couldn't meet me, so I took a couple other people. It was the night The Undertaker was lifted to the ceiling of the arena. Yes, I remember Um, that. Yes, and I was there. We were ringside about three, four rows back. Oh, nice. You want, you want to guess how much my parents paid for those tickets back in um, third? We were third or fourth row, I want to say, back in January 94. I'm going to say probably <laughs> like probably 50 not. bucks. No, not even. Oh. $17 a ticket. Oh, my gosh. $17 for King of the Ring. Sure, I remember going to Nitro and paying 50 bucks for nosebleed seats. Remember, Jeff, that time we went? We 50 bucks, man. We were up I'll, in there. I'll never, <laughs> I'll never forget it. When my parents sent me the tickets, they still had the ticket sub on it at $51. Wow. <laughs> like that. It was something crazy. Those days and, are uh, gone. Uh, yeah, no, no, long gone. But I remember that. He got lifted at the end of the match to the top of the arena. We had no idea what was going on. Yeah, Obviously, with no commentators right in front of us, it just happened all of a sudden. It was like, wow. And then they, they marketed that forever, uh, that particular angle. And then my second angle, and I've seen The Undertaker numerous times, is I had a rare occasion in the early 2000s in Connecticut when Flair was in the WWF at that time, uh, wrestled him at Mohegan Sun Casino, and Undertaker just destroyed 
Crystal oh, yeah. Hairspray in the early 2000s. They had a little run together, and I remember that. I, I felt so bad for Flair because, you know, he was coming to the ring. You just kind of knew this was not – and Flair did his spots. He did everything people wanted to see, but, you know, you, you see Flair get the tombstone. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, it is, Undertaker was that over, I think, at that point in oh, the yeah. early – 2000s. Yeah. I think um, I think that that was about when he started doing the American badass gimmick, and it, he he was like even tougher than he was as the Dead Man. Right, right, exactly. And it was just a, it was good times. Those are just a couple that, from a live standpoint, stick out to people without a doubt. When he got lifted to the top of the arena, that was just like he had like four, literally four cords, like just pulling him up. It was a little. It was a little scary to be honest with you. Yeah, I bet. Um, I mean, <laughs> but it's like okay, now we're watching this. It's, it's happening. So, but it was interesting. Yeah, that, that 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 that's a cool story. I enjoyed that. All right, fans. Well, we're we're gonna get right into the Bench Buster show. Uh, so stay tuned. We're talking Star K ninety three, the tenth anniversary edition, coming up right after this. Starcade 93 was the 10th anniversary edition of the pay-per-view event produced by World Championship Wrestling. It took place on December 27th, 1993 in the Independence Arena in Charlotte, North Carolina with an attendance of 8,200 fans. This was the first Starcade to feature Ric Flair since 1990. The main event, Big Van Vader, defending the WCW World Heavyweight title against Nature Boy Ric Flair. This match was booked as a result of the double stabbing that occurred between Arn Anderson and Sid Vicious in October. Vader's belt, Flair's career, all this and much more coming up next on the Binge Buster Show. Wow, fans, I'm telling you what, right off the get-go, uh, this Star K-93 is awesome. Um, I actually were, was there. I was, um, you know, in the in the arena there in uh, Charlotte. Um, I was excited because, uh, you know, when, when I know when they booked this match, it was supposed to originally was going to be Vader versus Sid Vicious. Uh, Sid and Arn get into an altercation, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, but Sid gets taken out of the main event and Flair gets put in his place. But it was perfect because Flair needed to be the person to be in that main event because we're talking 10th year anniversary of of the greatest pay-per-view or greatest you know event 
in the history of pro wrestling, uh, nobody else should have been there other than Flair. Correct, guys? What, what do you think? <laughs> I, I, I mean, for me, what a, what a, what a quick glance. Yeah, Rick Flair has to be in the main. There's no, no, no doubt. And I actually kind of like the angle to this Starcade and the and the buildup. You know, the title, career on the line. You know, you know Harley Race is, is Vader's manager in this match. I mean, there's there's, there's buildup there. I mean, this is, you know, for Flair, he may not be able to, to take down Vader. I mean, this is, you know, a great challenge for him. And I, I love the buildup. I love the storyline. It, it's catchy, and and to me, it works. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. Um, and the fact of the matter is, um, I mean, how special is that that you got two of the guys that were in the first one? Now, ten, you know, ten years later, here, here they are main eventing again. Although Harley Race isn't wrestling, but he is the manager for Vader. I mean, this this was perfect. And not only that, it was just, excuse me, a few miles down the road from where it all started, Greensboro, North Carolina. Now we're in Charlotte. Ric Flair's hometown, um, you know, the the beginning of this was, was awesome as, um, you know, the, the show starts. And uh, for the first time, we we see Ric Flair, you know, at his home, you know, just a few miles from Independence Arena. Um, and for the first time, we, we see Ric Flair and his four kids. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it's just like, it's very somber. Flair is not yelling and screaming. He's not styling and profiling. He's very serious. Uh, and then he, you know, they, they have a couple more, um, you know, talks with him and Mean Gene in the limo um, as they're going to Independence Arena. Now, I'll tell you a cool story. Um, any Anybody that's ever been to the Independence Arena, it's like a, a big round, you know, arena. And um, when, it, when, when they were, uh, when, when Flair was driving in, um, I was out getting a drink and I looked out that window and I saw all the police cars. I'm like, what's going on? And then when I got home later on and saw the pay-per-view, um, I, uh, I was like, oh, that was Flair. And I was like, that was so cool. I was right there as he was driving in underneath the little um, garage wow. area there right there. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, now, uh, we got a lot of matches on this card. Uh, you know, a lot of the titles are on the line. Um, a lot of new guys are here. A lot of old guys are here. And 93, WCW wasn't hitting on all cylinders yet. Um, however, they they did have the major players were back were back in the fold. We had Ric Flair was back. Um, Road Warrior Hawk was back. Um, a new guy uh, in there, Stephen uh, Stephen Regal. Um, he was he was starting to build momentum. Steve Austin was taking off. Dustin Rose was there. Ricky Steamboat was there. So we had some some really good talent here in um, WCW at the time. Um, now, our uh, as we get into this, our um, our opening match, which was actually a dark match, it wasn't on the pay per view, uh, but it was uh, Terry Taylor uh, taking on the Equalizer. And uh, this match goes about 16 minutes uh, with Terry Taylor, you know, securing the win. Um, it was a good opener. It, it, it got the people there in the arena pumped up and excited. Um, but what I liked about it was uh, as, they, as they had this first match, as soon as that match was over, then the screens turned on, and that's when you saw Flair in the limo talking to uh, Gene Erkelin and, and, you know, Flair being real low-key. 
and talking about how he's got his back against the wall. And I, I, I really like that because because it really it, the people in the arena, especially me, because in '93 I had kind of stopped watching wrestling around '90. 91 92 i really wasn't into it yet at, at that point um it wasn't until like i believe it was the the summer uh if, correct me if i'm wrong jeff but i believe it was the summer of 93 uh when i met you and started training and guys i got to jeff i know you're gonna remember this and chris you're gonna laugh at this but me and another wrestler went to, together to this starcade and this starcade was on a sunday uh, I'm sorry, a Monday. It was a Monday night. So Sunday, I was with Jeff and them doing training, and Jeff had this guy. Uh, I don't want to call his name because I don't want my, only his name on my podcast. But this fruit was was training us and teaching us how to take suplexes. And he went to suplex me from the outside of the ring, inside the ring, and somehow I ended up with a black eye. And I don't know how the hell, how in the hell that happened. How do you get a black eye on a friggin' vertical suplex, Jeff? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, that's a very good one. I don't know how that happened, but but the cool thing is, uh, and and here's another funny story. So I had just gotten into wrestling. You know, I'm I'm, I'm thinking I'm a big superstar, right? So so me and this guy are at Star K ninety three, and we're in line waiting to get to, you know get in, and these girls and these guys are just staring at me, right? And I'm like, James, those people are staring at me. He goes. Yeah. I was like, they recognize me. He goes, no, they recognize your freaking black eye, dude. I was like, shit. Uh-huh. Damn. <laughs> I just thought I was, I thought I was already over with the people, but I hadn't even had my first match yet at this point. But anyway, I thought that that was a funny story. Um, but a, a good opening match, Terry Taylor equalizer, uh, Chris, uh, you've, uh, you've, uh, done, done some work with Terry Taylor in the past. Uh, and we've talked about Terry Taylor on some other podcasts. Uh, what's your thought on this Terry Taylor versus the Equalizer? And the Equalizer, just just so you people know, was um, Dave Sullivan. Oh yes, <laughs> I mean wow. You said it went 16 minutes. I don't. Were they just? I think they may have been trying to get people in the seats or <laughs> making sure they were they were building in. time. I mean, yeah, they were definitely building time for the pay per view to I start. I mean, that's uh, for a dark match. That's pretty long uh just in my opinion personally um yeah i i think they were just trying to get everyone into seats here trying to get this pay-per-view going and on time and making sure they were everything was working in in an order but uh i, I mean and again I, and i've said this a couple of times on, on prior podcast I, I just can't get you know the cherry taylor red rooster yeah <laughs> from what he did in the wwf from back in the day um you know, I, but in a way, you know, Terry was a good wrestler. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it, this is a warm-up match, obviously, and to, to what's to come later in the evening. And, and you're right, this is a from a talent standpoint, they've got great talent on the card from top to bottom. In my, it looks a little hodgepodge to me, just how some of these storylines or angles came about personally but again i wasn't watching wrestling in 93 i was watching wrestling but i kind of wasn't i i was up in rhode island and i would take a peek here and there but i wasn't following it hardcore week to week at this time you know at, at that particular time but it was an interesting time for wcw and i think wrestling in in general at this time across the board yeah yeah i agree with you uh, Jeff, what what are your what are your thoughts with Terry Taylor and Equalizer? 
I'm like, uh, yeah, Terry Taylor had to work off a hard in his first match. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's for yeah, sure. Dave Sullivan, yeah, not the not the greatest, but uh, yeah. And again, I agree with uh, what Chris said. I think it was just a uh, something to kill time before the show actually started. Uh, so, yeah, it was that, kudos that, to Taylor. Yeah. Def, yeah, definitely on that one. Now the now the opening match of Starcade '93 that everyone got to see on the pay per view uh, was a tag team that I feel like uh, would have had a really good run and. It was it was a good gimmick. I liked their how their names was was so catchy, and they were to me they were over, and I liked them. I'm talking about pretty wonderful, pretty Paul Roma, and Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff, as they are taking on the team of Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Two Cold Scorpio, uh, with their manager Teddy Long. And right before this match started, Teddy Long is presented with Manager of the Year award. Um, there in Charlotte, and I just knew I said, "Well, he's getting the award. That means that they're winning." Um, but at the time, Pretty Wonderful's manager was another uh, another gentleman that was also in the first Starcade. Uh, I'm talking about, uh, or not the first Starcade, but one of the Starcades. Um, the Assassin, uh, the original Assassin, was their manager, and of course, that's how they get the the win. This match goes 11 minutes 45 seconds with. Um, the assassin putting the gimmick in the hood and headbutting Stone Cold uh, or Stone Cold Two Cold Scorpio as he's going for a um, a flying head scissor. And what was so what was so cool about this match was as they're as they're in this match and Jesse the Body Ventura and Tony Schiavone are the uh, commentators and you can look and see the camera gets a little bit too close and uh, the assassin actually put a um, a uh, roll of tape uh, looked like maybe scotch tape or something like that, or electrical tape in, in the hood to do the headbutt. And Tony Shiv- or Jesse Venturas, he actually says, um, look at the assassin. He's got a gimmick in his hood. <laughs> and he said the word gimmick. I was popping. I was like, like oh, the gimmick. And then, and then Tony Shivani tries to cover it up and go, Oh, he's got some kind of metal discus in the, in the hood. <laughs> But I thought that was pretty cool how Jesse Ventura used a kayfabe word and called it a gimmick. But uh, but but Jeff, we'll go with you on this one starting out. Um, what what are your thoughts or or yeah thoughts on the team of pretty wonderful Paul Orndorff and Paul Roma? I thought it was a great tag team, and uh, yeah, with the the assassin being uh, their manager, and he ended up you know putting the object in his uh, mask and. I mean, talking about old school finish. Uh, that was definitely an old school finish, taken back to the days when the assassin was a wrestler. Um, yep. And uh, I was just waiting on Jimmy Valiant to come in, but no, that's yeah. I was <laughs> waiting for that one too. That would have definitely been that would have <laughs> definitely been the old school then. But uh, yeah, uh, great tag team and and uh, man, I love Tuco Scorpio. I thought he was a very uh, gifted. Um, could do the high flying moves and uh, just a great wrestler. Chris, what about you? Man, I, I, I mean, a, a great match. I mean, r- rare for a pay per view to start off with a tag team match, but they did here. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I always loved Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, even his days in the WWF. 
back in the eighties with Hogan and his rivalries there. And, and even Paul Roma, I mean, he had his spots in the WWF coming up through the ranks before WCW and, you know, two, two Cole Scorpio and Marcus Bagwell. Absolutely. I think a great opening match. Um, you know, I always loved Orndorff's work in the ring. He was a, he was oh, a great heel. Yes, he was one of my favorites, man. And, and great on the microphone, and he just had a persona in the ring about him. And, and he wasn't a big guy, I mean, from a height standpoint at all. But he made it work in, in the ring. And uh, uh, even my mom, who still watches wrestling today in her 70s, <laughs> loved Paul Roma. I mean, oh, not yeah. Paul Roma, but she did like Roma because of the Italian angle, but loved Paul Orndorff. Right. I mean, just loved him. Just, and he was, he just loved that. I don't know what it was. You just always, I mean, whatever it was, it just clicked. And, and, and that probably from a female standpoint, it clicked, but he was a great wrestler. He did great things in WCW as well. Even when he went over to the W from the WWF and, and kept that, kept his career going. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he definitely was you know uh, a very talented. Well, all these guys in there were very talented. I guess the, the in the ring, the one with the list with the least uh, experience would have been Marcus Alexander Bagwell. But even even he at that time, oh, yeah. you know he you know he was no longer known as the um, the the rookie. Uh, now you know, they put him in this this, this team with uh, two cold Scorpio. They're dressing alike. They're doing a lot of uh, high flying moves together, um, and here they are taking on. You know Paul Orndorff and Paul Roma, um, and uh, you know I hate that I hate that that these guys didn't get a longer run because just just the name Pretty Paul and Mister Wonderful Pretty Wonderful I mean that that was just really cool and and and, and Jeff and I kind of kind of ripped them off a little bit with with our name Simply Perfection which was kind of like a take off of that but um, but but still in the same sense I mean Pretty Wonderful was was a, was a cool tag team and during this time wcw has some guy has some tag teams that that i would have loved to saw do more uh hollywood blondes especially man they were to me to me the hollywood blondes were, were my replacement of the midnight express when the midnight express was no longer together and then we get the hollywood blondes i'm like yeah these guys can have taken the place of the midnight express um and you know in in, in my eyes um but uh, you know, unfortunately for the booking, I don't know if the booking was going on or what what happened. But we uh, we definitely missed out on some great uh, tag teams that uh, could have really done some good stuff if they if they'd kept them together. Oh, I mean, absolutely! I'm not going to doubt what you're saying there. And you know, I I always loved tag team wrestling. My my whole <laughs> my whole time watching wrestling, it was always it's always intriguing. You know, you got to work as a team. You know, there's always so many angles you could do in tag team wrestling that can, you know, spring off from here and there. And, you know, I always loved it. I even loved six-man tag team wrestling, too, back oh, yeah. in the day. I mean, it was just great, great stuff. And it was different from the normal singles matches because you always knew something's going to happen somewhere along the way here. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's going to be something that springboards off of what's happening in front of us. And you know, uh, Chris, you're talking about tag team wrestling. I just want to uh, touch on this real just for just a couple of minutes. Um, I, I'm me. I, I've been wrestling now. I've been in the wrestling business now. You know, twenty some years. You know, almost thirty years. Shh, keep that a secret. But, um, <laughs> but you know, 
they're they're I've I've had a few partners over the years, and I'm not saying this just because that we're doing a podcast together, but Jeff, uh, when Jeff and I team up together, like we don't have to call spots each other. We don't like he can look at me and know where I'm going with a move. I can look at him and know where he's going with a spot. I mean, it's just um, you know that 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 type of chemistry is few and far between. Um, but, but they're, 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 you know, it's happened out there, you know, and, and when, whenever you can work together and even when Jeff and I were, were teaming together religiously and we were working against his brother, Tony and, and Donnie, and, and they had a tag team known as da- the, uh, danger zone, uh, same thing there, all four of us together, we could look at, we could kind of look at each other and kind of know, okay, I, I, I know where he's going with this. We, we, we didn't have to talk because we, we, we knew right. each other, you know? Um, and unfortunately nowadays that that's a lost art because there's not many guys out there that can look at each other. You know, they're, they're, they're having to, you know, stand in the back in the dressing room and go over this match for 45 minutes and forget half of it before they get out there. Uh, most of the time when Jeff and I were doing something, we didn't say anything in the back. We just went over and said, okay, uh, you're, you guys are over and, and this is the finish. And that was it. You know, um, it's just, it's, it's sad that, 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 that's such a lost art now. Yeah. If, 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 if I could chime in, I mean, kudos to, to both of you, to, to, to Jeff, you know, and to yourself, Tony, it, it's not only about knowing each other, you guys understand the psychology of the business and, and, and what it takes without even, you know, knowing what, what one person is going to do, whether you're tag teaming, whether you're against each other, whatever's going on, you understand you want to put the best product forward, no matter what you're doing in the ring, whether it's in front of 25 fans or 25,000 fans, you're going to work your ass off because you're wrestling not only for that match, but for your next match as well. And, 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 and it's also, I think a respect to the business and also who you were trained from and where you came from as well. And, and you just don't see it today like you did back in the day. So, you know, kudos to both of you from what I see from this end. Well, thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. Uh, now it's time to have the biggest laugh. One of the biggest laughs from star K 93. Uh, this next match goes one minute, 34 seconds, <laughs> which is one minute, 31 seconds too long. <laughs> it is the shock master taking on awesome Kong with King Kong, uh, in a singles match. Uh, <laughs> what can I say about this is, uh, you know, th- these guys got the first match, the, the dark match on Starcade should have been here. This should have been the dark match. Actually, this match shouldn't have been booked at all. <laughs> I agree with you, Jeff. <laughs> the, the, Chris brought up the hodgepodge. Here we go. This is a hodgepodge <laughs> match put together. That is yeah. That- <laughs> yeah, I got to say so. Uh, I don't know. But, I, again, I remember, you know, Shockmaster as Tugboat and Typhoon back in the day, you know, was, always somewhat buddy buddies with Hogan as well, you know, back in the day. And, uh, but well, uh, like, they had their spot on the show. Here's, but, but here, here, here's something that a lot of people don't know. Um, the shock master was actually dusty Rhodes brother-in-law. 
I didn't know that. Yeah, didn't know that. Yep, he sure is. That's that, that's Dusty's brother-in-law, Dusty's wife's brother. Um, now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the Shockmaster, but I, I do want to cover this story because it's hilarious. Um, you listeners at home, if you haven't done this yet and you want to have a good laugh, COVID puts everybody in a depressing mood. So if you want to laugh, I tell you, every time I watch it, I almost pee my pants for real. But if you go back and watch the debut of the Shockmaster on a flare for the gold <laughs> and you listen real close, real close, uh, you can hear uh, what had happened was, okay, so the Shockmaster is going to bust through a wall and become and come out there and be Sting and Davey Boy Smith's surprise partner at, at the pay-per-view. Um, so early in the day, they practiced it. He came through the wall, bust through the wall, great. Well, let, so as they built the wall back, David Crockett said, wait a minute, you know, that wall, it, it, it needs a little bit more stability. So he nailed a two-by-four on the bottom of it. Well, the shop master's got this Star Wars <laughs> mask on, uh, Stormtrooper mask on, so he can't see at his feet. He just sees what's in front of him. And when he burst through the wall, <laughs> David Crockett has sabotaged put that two by four down to hold the wall together. He trips over the wall and hits the floor. And if uh, I saw an interview once with dusty and dusty was talking about it. And dusty said, when he came back through the curtain, he said, I couldn't look at him. I was laughing so hard. I almost peed my pants. Um, he said it was the funniest thing ever, but David Crockett sabotaged him, but not on purpose. But if you go back and watch that, when he falls, you can hear Davey boy Smith go, Oh hell, he fell on his eyes. And they don't bleep it out. And then Sid Vicious is like, Jesus Christ, he fell on his fucking ass. <laughs> and you can hear both of them plain as day. But if you got to go back and listen to it really close, it's there. It's hilarious. But, uh, but that, but yeah, that's, that's our story of the Shockmaster. I, <laughs> when he was in WWF as Tugboat, uh, it was an okay gimmick. But when he came here as Shockmaster, the clumsy klutz, yeah, that, that was, he was done at that point. Now, now this next match, my opinion, besides the Ric Flair and uh, the, the, there's about three matches on this whole pay-per-view that to me is like, oh my God, that was a great match. This this right here, I can't tell if this is the, the number one or number two, but um, it is uh, uh, a great uh, match for the WCW World Television title as Lord Steven Regal with Sir William, which is Bill Dundee, is taking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. They go 15 minutes, 14 seconds, time limit draw. Uh, Lord Steven Regal uh, retains the television title. But, man, I love that gimmick. The the British gimmick, it was so over with me. What about you guys? What do y'all think about it? Oh, I mean, yeah, ab ab absolutely. I mean, um, testament to Steven Regal and, I know they had the Sir William angle going as well. And um, from a skill standpoint on the show, I, I I think you got the two guys in the ring right there. I mean, it, it was it was a testament to go to a time limit draw because they could have probably went to a 60-minute time limit draw and it would have entertained the fans for the evening. But from both an amateur and professional wrestling angle, I think those are your top two guys on 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 the show next to, next to probably Flair. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, Jeff, what what are your thoughts on Stephen Regal and uh, Ricky Steamboat? You know, it's funny. Uh, we used to call him uh, uh, Lord Stephen Regal with William Dundee, but uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I I love Stephen Regal, man. I love. I totally agree with you. I loved his gimmick. I loved his arrogance. I mean, he was just a great heel. Somebody that the fans just absolutely hated just because he was so cocky. He kind of reminded me of a British version of Tully Blanchard. He was, yeah. had the mouth, would run his mouth, and was very cocky, and just he, you know, he just had the British accent and the, the British ways. And um, Ricky Steamboat, man, I mean, we've talked about Ricky a lot of times. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen Ricky Steamboat in a bad match as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, uh, yeah, great match, no doubt about it. One of one of my best memories of Stephen Regal was when he and Jeff, you know where I'm going with this, uh, was when he converted beautiful Bobby Eaton into Earl Robert Eaton, um, and those vignettes that they shot leading up to the tag team, uh, you know, taking Bobby shopping, clothes shopping, taking him to fancy restaurants, taking him out for wine. All that stuff was hilarious. Like, and during this time, it was right during um, the O.J. Simpson trial, and uh, so as the vignette started, he's taking Bobby Eaton all over the world to to tell him, "Okay, Bobby, this is how this is how they do it, but this is how we need to do it." And one of the first ones I remember seeing, they're standing in Hollywood, they're walking around Hollywood, and they're standing in front of supposedly standing in front of the uh, the um, the bushes in front of OJ Simpson's house. And while Steven Regal's talking, Bobby's like looking around and he reaches in the, and he reaches into the, into the, the bushes and he pulls out a black glove and then he pulls out a knife and he throws a knife back down. <laughs> that was hilarious. You guys remember that? Yes, I do. Uh, that was funny. <laughs> and then, and then, and then Chris, here's another thing I liked. He, um, he he takes Bobby into this restaurant. They're they're in England, and the waitress comes over, and Bobby's got his napkin stuck it down his shirt, and and Earl and Stephen Regal's like, "No, Bobby, put it on your lap." Okay, so the waiter comes out, and you know, can I get you guys some wine? And Stephen Regal's like, "Yeah, let me get," and he calls you know some fancy wine, and he asks Bobby, "What do you want? You got any Boone's Farm or Ripple?" <laughs> It's just funny, and Bobby's, and it's like one of the first times Bobby's talking, and he's talking in an Alabama accent. You got any Boone's Farm? And it's so funny, but the best one of all was when he took Bobby shopping, and Bobby's trying to find clothes. And during this time, that movie, The Mask, had just came out, and it was it was a huge, huge thing. And the part where he comes out smoking, he Bobby puts on a jacket that's green, just like The Mask. And he says smoking in that, in that Bobby Eaton country, Alabama accent, man, man, I'll tell you what, I loved it. I, and when, when it first happened, I was like, Oh my God, they're killing Bobby. They're killing him. They're killing him, making him a stupid blue blood. This is stupid. But Bobby made that gimmick work too. I mean, Bobby was amazing, but I, I just thought I would share those, those funny, those funny spots. Cause every time I hear Stephen Regal, I don't think about, the the heel character i'd think about those vignettes with him and beautiful bobby <laughs> great stuff now uh moving on to starkey 93 um our next match uh is 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 a is a 
is a prelude to what we're going to be seeing in the next couple of years. Um, the tag team of Cactus Jack and Max Payne taking on Tex Slazinger and Shanghai Pierce, who will later go on to WWF to be known as the Godwins. But uh, here, I absolutely love this gimmick, Tex Slazinger and Shanghai Pierce. Uh, incidentally, a good friend of mine, uh, Tommy, who, who was actually on our show a couple weeks ago, um, he actually has the original mask of Tex Slazenger's. which I think is pretty cool. Um, but this match goes seven minutes, 48 seconds. Um, and it's, um, and Cactus Jack and Max Payne, uh, take the victory. Uh, one part in this match, Cactus Jack does that over the top rope clothesline. And it's so beautiful. Um, but they, they, they fight all over the independence arena. Uh, but Cactus Jack, Max Payne, uh, takes up the win. Uh, Chris, I'll get with you on this one. Um, what are your thoughts on the team of Cactus Jack and Max Payne? You know, I don't have much background on this match. Um, I, I mean, I could just see it being a brawl. I mean, number one, and obviously it was. It went seven minutes, 48 seconds. Um, an interesting tag team. I mean, I've, I've always known pretty much Cactus Jack as a, or Mick Foley as a single wrestler. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really, again, at this time, I wasn't following wrestling also closely back, you know, around the 93 to 95 time frame so much, but I mean, you know, you know, great spot for him, but what was to come, you know, beyond his career, beyond this, I mean, you know, speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at that point. So, um, interesting match. Um, and, and to text Lazenger, Shanghai Pierce, I don't really know much much about him. I mean, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be guessing a little bit. I, I know the, the Godwin angle and things like that. But um, but it was nestled right in the middle of – it's flapped right in the middle of, of, of the card. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously much better matches to come, I think, that were promoted, you know, later on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on, we'll go, ahead, we'll go ahead and move along to our to, to some of the be- better matches. Uh, the next match uh, was one of my favorites. Unfortunately, we get blood in this match, so they have to cut down the lights, which pissed me off because we couldn't see what was going on. But uh, in this one, we have got uh, stunning Steve Austin with Colonel Robert Parker uh, taking on the United States champion, the natural Dustin Rhodes, two out of three falls. This match goes 23 minutes, 56 seconds with Steve Austin uh, winning this two straight falls. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, what a tremendous match this was uh, to get uh, the pay-per-view started uh, with uh, some of the major t- major titles being defended. Um are you like me, Jeff? When when you saw Steve Austin back then, did uh, you know he's going to be a big star one day? Yes, I did. And you know, it's so funny because he went from night to you know from from day to night, or however you want to put it. Because stunning Steve Austin was an incredible, incredible performer. I mean, the matches he had it. Anybody that's ever that wants to see not Steve Austin, the uh, beer drinking, bird shooting, you know, I mean, just 
the Texas rattlesnake or whatever you call him. If you want to see Steve Austin, the performer, the guy that can go in there and have five-star matches, incredible, you know, psychology in the ring and just go back and watch him in WCW. My God, some of the matches he had. And with Dustin Rhodes and some of his matches with Ricky Steamboat and just incredible, incredible matches, uh, no doubt about it. And uh, Dustin Rhodes, I mean, um, he just, to me, was, uh, I mean, as far as a uh, performer, uh, he was better than his dad. I mean, but his dad was just, Dusty, I mean, he was the star. I mean, his dad was Dusty. You know, I mean, you can't get a no bigger name than that. But uh, as far as a performance standpoint, I thought Dustin was a lot better uh, than his dad. Uh, yeah. But man, putting these two together was incredible. Yeah, and uh, they, they end up getting color. Steve Austin is pouring blood. Uh, he gets posted by Dustin Rose, and he gets a little color. Uh, and they immediately, oh, they, they turn the lights out and they just turn the spotlight on and on TV, they say, oh my gosh, we've, uh, we've lost power here. But the real reason why was because Steve Austin was bleeding like a stuck pig, uh, which is another reason why he went and beat Dustin two straight falls was because they had to take it home, you know, pretty quickly after the blood came. Um, but, uh, Dustin, Dustin had, he had a big, uh, big shoes to fill, uh, he said this numerous times, but uh, he had to work harder and do more because of who his dad was. Because he had to prove to the people, "Hey, I'm I'm not here because my dad's Dusty Rose. I'm here because I, I deserve to be here." Um, and even to this day, you know, Dustin's in his fifties and still can pretty much outperform most of the people that are out there today. Uh, Dustin is a tremendous talent, um, but a def- definitely a great match. Chris, uh, you have any you have any thoughts on this match? I mean, I got to echo Jeff, you know, about Steve Austin, you know, you know, back in the, in the early days. I mean, uh, a lot of novice wrestling fans think that Steve Austin was born when Vince McMahon created the, you know, beer drinking, clicking off middle fingers, and I'm going to beat your ass attitude. And, and, and that's the truth in, in all reality. I mean, just some people are just naive, I think. I'm talking your casual wrestling fan who doesn't follow the history of, uh, of some wrestlers. And, uh, and I got to agree with you about Dustin as well. I mean, and Dustin and even Cody Rhodes to this day as well, they're always, 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 no matter what, going to be somewhat in the shadow, semi in the shadow, however you want to word it, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, of Dusty Rhodes. There's just, it's just not ever going to go away. I don't think, but, um, you know, and, and thank you for clarifying that. And I was wondering, wow, you know, Austin, are they really trying to put him over to go 2-0? You would at least let it go, you know, to the third fall. And now you've clarified that uh, of what happened, why it went 2-0. Because I was like, wow, I was kind of looking at that. Where's Dustin in his career there with, you know, WCW at this point? But that makes sense after you said what happened, you know, going to the, to the two straight two falls. Yeah, I mean it was it was definitely a uh, a a great match. I enjoyed it. Um, I I was just 
I was upset that we got uh, cheated out of more of that match. Although we uh, did get quite a bit of time. I mean, you know, 23 minutes, 56 seconds. Yeah. Uh, that's probably one, one of the longer matches on the card uh, and, and a tremendous match at that. Now, as we move to our next match, the only thing tremendous about this match was uh, the uh, the champion. This is now known. Rick Rue was the NWA champion. He he beat he beat Ric Flair for the title at the Fall Brawl this year uh, in '93. But uh, at this time, WCW had pulled out of out of the NWA. So instead of just taking the belt from Rick Rue, they just renamed the belt uh, the WCW International World Title, which made absolutely no sense. Um, but the belt's there, and here we got uh, Ravishing Rick Rude. Remember that song, y'all? Uh, Ravishing Rick Rude, uh, the international world champion, defending against the boss uh, as the big boss man, uh, or Ray Trailer had just come back to WCW. Now, incidentally, this match was supposed to be Rick Rude and the British Bulldog, but the Bulldog had just left WCW. Uh, and they brought in the big boss man and put him right into place. This match goes nine minutes, eight seconds, um, with uh, Rick Rude defeating the boss um, in a pretty pretty tremendous match. Uh, guys, what can we say here? Rick Rude was the ultimate performer. He had the look, he could talk, and he could work. He was just awesome. Uh, yeah, he was, whether it was singles competition, tag team competition. I, you know, we had this run with Manny Fernandez in the tag team ranks. I happened to have the chance to see Rick Rude compete several times in the WWF in a couple of times live. I don't think he had six pack abs. I think he had eight pack abs Man, <laughs> at some point right. in his career. And, uh, um, I kind of look at this match as kind of a, somewhat of a WWF match with, you know, Ray trailer in there, the big boss man, Rick rude a little bit. That's how I look at this somewhat. Um, but you know, Rick rude had, he kind of reminded me of a, of a superstar, Billy Graham. He wasn't as big as Billy Graham. Don't, don't get me wrong, but he had that look and, and the abs and everything about him. I mean, he had no body fat. It was no, just, zero. He had the look and he had the, the mic skills too, to an extent. Yeah, for yeah, sure. No doubt about it. Yeah. I, uh, uh, rude was, yeah, rude was such an amazing wrestler. Um, you know, I mean, and I remember when he first came into, uh, the NWA back in, I think it was 86, I believe it was, I wasn't really impressed with him. Uh, and then, when he went to WWF, and I mean, I don't know who worked with him, but he got a whole lot better when he went to WWF. I mean, he had incredible programs with uh, Jake Roberts. I remember that one the most. Uh, and then when he came back and it was WCW, I mean, he was uh, – a whole lot improved and had, again, had incredible matches uh, in WCW. Uh, this one, of course, I'm sure not being one of them, incredible matches, but no. I, it was probably still pretty good. But uh, no offense uh, 
Ray Trailer was just, uh, you know, not the, the best, you know, wrestler uh, performance-wise. But, uh, yeah, pretty good match. I remember the very first. I do have a, I do have a good Rick Rude story. Okay, let's hear it. I, and, and you know, it was when Rude first went to the WWF. He was at a house show in Connecticut. He wrestled, I want to say in the, maybe not the first match, but he was in the second match. He changed quickly and where my parents bought the tickets, we were right directly across from where the wrestlers were coming down the aisle. Okay. The house show. Rick Rude, I don't know for what reason, sat in a chair at the curtain by himself and watched the rest of the matches for the rest of the night. Because um, I even said to my father, I said, there's Rick Rude. He's in regular clothes. And he just sat there the whole night, not sure why, not sure what was going on. Don't know if he was just trying to scope out the talent or how the WWF was wrestling, what was going on. It was really interesting, but sat there the whole night and had no idea why. And he was plain as day that the fans could see him as the, as the workers came up and down the aisle from the matches. Well, I, th I think probably the reason why it's the same reason. Uh, when I used to go to Greensboro, Ric Flair would do the same thing. He would um, get dressed um, and about the third or fourth match out, like after intermission, you know, he was always main event. But after they have intermission, um, you would see him standing in the curtain watching every single match. And I was wondering, God, I mean, why is he doing that? And then uh, years later, when I hear, uh, when I watched the, the Ric Flair um, shoot interview, he says the reason why he did that was because he knew at some point he had to, he had to work with these guys and he wanted to right. watch and see how they worked. And that's probably, you know, the, the same reason why Rick Reed was doing that. Cause he, he probably thought at some point I'm gonna work with, with some of these guys. Um, you know, I'm gonna figure out what, it, who and what, um, i tell you, I'm, I'm sad that I never got to see Ric Flair in a program with Hulk Hogan in WWF that that should have happened. I think they may they may have had one match and then that was it. But um, the the biggest Rick Rue got was the Intercontinental Title, uh, but he should have been World Champion in WWF because man, he was he was awesome. But my first time seeing Rick Rue was in World Class, and I remember he had this the the coolest entry song. He had his girl, the sexy voice, say, "You know, oh Ricky, you're simply ravishing. Where did you come from?" And then it would cut into the song. No need, no need to ask. He's a smooth operator, and he'd come to the ring as a smooth operator, mm -hmm. ravishing recruit. I love that gimmick. Uh, and when he came to NWA, he used it a little bit until they put him with Raging Bull, and then he, he never used it again after that until he went back to WWF. But at that point, you know, Vince wasn't letting them use copyrighted music. They had their own. Uh, so he had a different song. But I, I love that. I thought that was really cool. Um now moving on, yeah, uh, yeah, that 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 song. If I can go, that song was hot when they were doing that as well. That song by Sad Day, and yes, and it, it, it fit Rick Root's persona, his physique, his to his the facial T. expressions. It it, it it worked. Yeah, I, I'll never forget <laughs> when I Jeff's going Jeff's laughing. When I first started wrestling for Jeff, I was coming trying to come up with these ideas of you know of my gimmick, and of course in my mind I always knew. Uh, 
I was going to steal something from a lot of guys. I was going to steal some stuff from Bobby Eaton, from Rick, Ricky Morton, from Rick Rude, from, uh, from a lot of guys. Right. Um, and I remember when I was trying to figure out my gimmick, what I was going to call myself. And I finally came up with the idea. I was going to be terrific. Tony, uh, the girl I dated at the time, I was like, listen, this is what I want you to do on the tape. I want you to say in, in the sexiest voice that you can, that you can, that you can say, I want you to say, Oh, Tony, you're simply terrific. Where did you come from? And I was going to put in the, the smooth operator song. I'm going to steal it. And she wouldn't, mm-hmm. and she wouldn't do it. And she pissed me off. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Oh. She said, I was like, Oh, that'd been over. Um, some point I'm going to do that. Hey, Chris, I think the girl that, uh, the, uh, our, 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 um, the lady that, uh, does our, uh, opening on our podcast, she'd be perfect for that. Right. <laughs> I think she'd be in the running, Tony, uh, whether she takes you up on it, it's a different story. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great right there. Hey, I, I, I wouldn't have to wrestle. I just have her play that. And the guys would just fall to, you know, fall on the floor. But uh, but yeah, I, 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 that 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 would be definitely funny. But um, moving on now to our uh, semi main event, and this match had the best, and I had the best view of this match. Okay, so guys, you got to go back and watch this. This match is um, Sting and Road Warrior Hawk uh, taking on the WCW World Tag Team Champions, the Nasty Boys, with their manager. The lovely Missy Hyatt. Uh, they uh, this match goes twenty nine minutes eleven seconds uh, as the Road Warriors, or I say Road Warriors, Rover Hawk and Sting uh, defeat the uh, Nasty Boys via disqualification. That is um, now, Chris, <laughs> you and Jeff are going to laugh at this one. So the finish of this match was um, going to be so. Sting and Hawk uh, do the doomsday device on the Nasty Boys. Now, the funny part of this is Sting his Sting, Sting was a bodybuilder. Sting was strong, but Sting didn't have the leg strength that uh, Road Warrior Animal did. And on this match, uh, in order to get the Nasty Boy up on his shoulder, the nasty boy actually climbs up to the second rope and Sting goes underneath him and lifts him up off the second rope and pick him up. But Hawk hits him with the fin hits him with the clothesline. They they get down to, to make the pin. The referee is like, Okay, I know Missy Hyatt is supposed to be in here. And she all of a sudden she remembers, Oh, I'm supposed to be in this match or this finish. And she jumps in the ring and she grabs Sting and she goes to pull him off. And when she jerks him really hard, one of her tits fall out. <laughs> oh, yeah. So she has she has to stuff it, stuff her boob back in her back in her top. Um, and of course, the referee now sees okay, she's in the ring. I got to do this qualification. So they get disqualified. But dude, when her boob fell out, that the the Charlotte Coliseum it exploded. And I looked at I looked at my, my buddy James. I was with. I was like James. Did I just see her boob? He goes, Tony, the whole Coliseum just saw her boob. <laughs> I was like, yeah. But um but everyone, I, everyone got more everyone got their money's worth that night. <laughs> well, yeah, but from what I understand from the male standpoint. We, we, we wasn't we weren't the only ones that got to see that thing. No. Um but uh <laughs> but no, she came out. If you get a chance to go back and watch this Star K, go back and watch it. She comes out wearing like this hot pink see through bodysuit with the uh, 
hot pink bra and hot pink panties on. Um, she mm-hmm. was definitely way, way, way beyond her time um, here um, because, you know, years later, at least five or six years later, the WWE will start pushing that. But, man, Missy, you go back and look, Missy Hyatt was actually one of the first, if not the first, uh, valet that got a little bit on the nasty side of, you know, showing a little bit of, a lot of boob, uh, a little bit of butt, but, um, but, but man, this match was, I enjoyed the match. Uh, but some of the things sticks out in my mind. And one of them was the fact that, uh, sting wasn't able to lift up, uh, Brian knobs. He had, to, I'm sorry, Jerry sags. Uh, Jerry had to climb up on the second rope in order to give sting the mm-hmm. assist. <laughs> now, wait wow. a minute. So I thought Janet Jackson was the first one that had the wardrobe malfunction, but <laughs> no, apparently it, not. Apparently it was not. it was Missy Hyde at Star K ninety three. I did not know that. I just got educated with something tonight. I did not know that. Yeah, you got to go back and watch it on the network, and you'd be like, "Oh man, what happened there?" Oh, I I guarantee you the network's got it blocked out. Oh They've yeah, to. yeah. We, <laughs> Yeah, and and act, and actually on the um the D or the the DVD, of course, when I got it, it was a VCR tape. When it came out, um, same thing. The um, the the camera angle was 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 thrown out on the opposite side, um, not on the uh, on the other side, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it was uh it was still good, you know, still good stuff. Um, to uh to uh you know see. Uh, <laughs> the finish of of this of this match in that uh, perspective. So, well, now guys, it is time for the moment that we've all been waiting on. Uh, the main event of Star K ninety three. All the talking's over uh, as Big Van Vader with Harley Race uh, is coming into the hometown of the greatest wrestler in the history of professional wrestling uh, at the tenth anniversary of Starcade. Uh, the limousine ride, jet flying, kiss stealing, willing dealing, son of a gun, uh, Charlotte's own Ric Flair is here to take on Van Vader for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And uh, guys, this match right here, uh, without a doubt, was the match everyone come to see. Um, one thing I learned in this match, uh, even as a as a greenhorn that I was at the time. Uh, Vader was shooting on Flair. He was not happy that he was dropping the belt to Flair. He felt like Flair had left, went to WWE, um, and come back, and and now it's Vader's time, and he's not wanting to give his time up to Flair. Um, and so Vader is throwing some uh some some potatoes on on Flair. Um, and uh, but but when Flair makes a comeback and he starts throwing some punches to Vader. There's one point in the match where Flair actually chops Vader right in the mouth, <laughs> and it's uh, it's amazing. Um, but guys, this match goes 21 minutes 18 seconds with Flair uh, with not a really really great pin, uh, a really crappy roll up. Uh, but um, any event, it worked. Um, Jeff, I'll start with you. Uh, we're in Charlotte, Red Flair's hometown. He takes on the wins the title for. I believe this this was uh, the uh, seventh or eighth time uh, world champion. Um, anyway, uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts on on this on this match? 
Um, I, I did see a shoot interview with Vader before he passed away. And he talked, they asked him about this match and he said that he wanted, he said, I, he said, I did that to Flair because I wanted to get the best out of him. And he said, it worked. He said, I got the best out of Flair and the match looked good. We both ended up looking good. And, you know, Flair, he said, you know, I did the job and Flair won the title, but, uh, yeah, uh, great match. I mean, and if it was Flair's seventh world title, that would have been perfect, you know, storybook ending to winning his hometown and to defeat the man that is managed by former seven-time world champion Harley Race. So, Yeah, it was a great match. Chris, your, your, what, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, if I'm Vader... You know, Charlotte's probably the last town I want to, you know, do this, do this match out of, of all this, all the cities on the, you know, NWA tour at this time. But hey, it happened in Charlotte. It's Flair's backyard. You know, I, I love the way WCW brought the family in. Um, you, you know, the kids. I mean, Charlotte, Charlotte Flair was in there. A young, 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 very young Charlotte Flair, and um, you, you know, you know, Flair's kids, and they really. They brought the emotional part of Flair into this match. Um, you know, you know, I lose this thing, I'm all done. You know, and so, you know, I get that it was great buildup. Um, you know, for that for that time in his career. I mean, literally, you know, Vader, you know, could just roll over Flair and you know put him out of wrestling forever. You know, at that particular point, if you know, that was the storyline, but, you know, and, and, but hey, for Vader did the right thing, but he, he got the, if he could pack his boots away that night and say, I got the best out of Ric Flair for the 20 sub on minutes we were in the ring and, and he gave it his all, I gave it my all, they can't ask for anything more. No. And guys, I was there for this. When Flair won the title, that place exploded. It was just a, a huge yeah. pop uh, when when Flair uh, won the title, um, and uh, and I was one of the guys popping. Man, I was like, "Yes, I got to see Ric Flair win another belt." <laughs> it was cool, but um, but but and all in all, uh, Star K ninety three was definitely uh, a a good uh, pay per view. Uh, it was my first pay per view under the WCW logo. Um, and uh and i guess uh you know with with the with the new uh i, I guess you'll call it new era new new ways of, of of promoting or i'm sorry producing uh tv uh a, a lot more you know um excitement i guess you would say compared to the starcades in the past when there really wasn't like bright lights around the ring it was just the lights were just on the ring and that was it um but uh i love the independence arena it's a beautiful arena and it's Crockett territory. I mean, it, it was the best place to have the tenth anniversary edition of a Starcade. Yeah, to me, yeah, yeah to me, if, yeah, if you wouldn't, uh, the only other place I could imagine being better would be Greensboro Coliseum. But you know, yeah. uh, r- real quick, I've been to the Independence Arena and I've seen uh, wrestling. I've seen a TV tape in there. Uh, I went, actually went 
one year for Christmas. It was Christmas night. I got to see a bunkhouse stampede uh, back in the Crockett days. Um, so, yeah, great place to see wrestling. But the story going into this was the Sid Vicious deal. Sid Vicious was supposed to wrestle uh, Big Van Vader. And, of course, I, I know you had mentioned something about talking about this earlier. Yes. And, yeah, if you want me to, I can share what I read up on to find out what actually happened between he and Arn Anderson. Yes, yes. Let's, um, yeah, we, we definitely need, need to let the listeners at home find that out. Okay. Yeah, this actually, I think it happened in the uh, United Kingdom. In, uh, and uh, they were uh, at a bar. And apparently... Uh, Sid had said something to Arn, and uh, Arn took it personal. And they were just, you know, Sid was just joking around supposedly, and Arn took it personal. And I think the guys were a little too drunk. Uh, but Steve Austin was there. Uh, he saw, and Colonel Rob Parker was there as well. They saw the uh, the altercation. But anyway, um. Arn, they went back to their motel. Arn went up to his motel room and was, you know, shaving his beard or whatever and uh, shaving his face or whatever. And uh, Sid came in and uh, had some type of weapon and was going after Arn with it. And uh, Arn fought him off and took a pair of scissors. And uh, they fought over the scissors and the scissors fell. And Arn went to leave the room to go get help. And Sid attacked Arn with the scissors and stabbed him 20-some times in the back, I believe is what I saw. That's what I read. Yeah. But yeah. that's what that's what happened. Yeah, that's that's a story I heard too. Uh, and that uh, at that point in time, they had to – somebody had to get fired. Um, and, uh, and rumor uh, that I've heard that Flair said that if they fired Arn, he was leaving. And they couldn't they couldn't lose Flair because at that time Flair was the top draw in WCW, so um, and nobody really liked Sid's attitude because Sid was thought thought he thought he thought he was worth more than he was, um, so Sid ended up, ended up being the one that was uh, you know chopped, but also Arn was suspended and was not able to be here at Starcade '93, um, but all in all, I mean. Everything happens for a reason. Uh, I'm sorry that you know something you know, can you know something like that could have it, it could have really got it could have really been a whole lot worse. Um, thank God it wasn't. But um, but but I think the right thing happened. Uh, Flair needed should have been had to be in this main event, tenth anniversary edition, Star K ninety three. No question in my mind, uh, the right man won. Uh, and it was a, it was a tremendous pay-per-view and I, and I got one more funny story from this pay-per-view and then we'll, we'll wrap up. So, um, when this pay-per-view happened, uh, my, my friend I rode with James, he lived in Morganton. I lived in Thomasville. So I'm driving him, you know, home and he lived like on the outskirts of Morganton. So, uh, I decided instead of driving all the way back to Thomasville, now it's like one in the morning. I'm just going to go spend the night with my uncle who lived in Morganton and then I'd get up next morning and drive home. So as I'm driving to my uncle's house, um, I get pulled over because I guess I'm, I'm falling asleep at the wheel. Right. So the cop pulls me over and I'm like, crap, comes up to the window and he's like, uh, 
So, um, you, you were weaving. I said, yeah, I'm a little tired. I said, but, I'm uh, my uncle lives like, like right in that house right there. And that's where I'm going. And he's like, okay. He goes, well, where are you coming from? And I said, uh, well, I just came from Charlotte. And he goes, what, what were you doing in Charlotte? And I said, um, I went to watch Starcade. Oh man, did, did a uh, Ric Flair win? Like he broke. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, yeah, he goes, man, that's great. Great, great news. He goes, well, listen, uh, uh, I, I, I don't think you've been drinking. He's like, you, you know, you're, you're a young kid. He goes, I'm just going to follow you into your, your uncle's, uh, into your, your uncle's driveway. And man, I, I'm, that, that's awesome, man. I'm glad Flair won. And like, Scott was a wrestling fan and Starcade got me out of a ticket because I'm sure he was about to get me one for reckless driving because I was all over the frigging road. Yeah, um, I, I, I think the nature boy got you out of one. Yeah. Thanks Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that, 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 that made me laugh so hard. Cause he was like all serious. Oh, where are you coming from? From Charlotte. Uh, I, I went to the, the, Starcade. Oh man, did Rick and he went just like that. Oh man, did Rick Flair win? <laughs> like so, he's a Rick Flair. He's a wrestling fan. So I thought that was a cool story. Um, but anyway, guys, good paper, a good good pay view, good podcast tonight. As we broke down Starcade '93, um, it's been a great month. Uh, we have touched on and broke down and and uh, learned a whole lot of stuff, and hopefully taught our listeners a lot of stuff uh, behind the scenes stuff. Uh, of this great, to my our opinion, the greatest uh, wrestling event of all time, Starcade, um, at least during the Crockett years. Uh, but now tomorrow, fans, remember a special edition of the Binge Buster Show. Um, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. You guys are going to enjoy it. A double dose of Binge Buster this week. Uh, Jeff, Chris, you guys have any parting words before we uh, take this baby home? I, I mean, for me, Tony, it's been a pleasure tonight. Star K93, I cannot wait to talk tomorrow. My turkey and ham is going to be in the oven. The fixings are going to be going, and we're going to talk about a special Star K tomorrow that could only be talked about on Thanksgiving Day. I, 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 I can't wait, and I'm looking forward to it. We're going to turn this right around and be back on this tomorrow, and, uh, and, and we're going to have a ton of food amongst, uh, amongst all of us there. For sure. Jeff? Um, same as Chris, uh, just, uh, ready for tomorrow night. Can't wait. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed this one. Uh, Starcade 93, pretty good event. I may have to get, you know, I don't think I've actually sat down and watched this pay-per-view to be honest with you. Maybe I need to do that and, uh, just relive the, uh, the moment of Ric Flair, uh, winning the title in Charlotte. You'll, you'll definitely enjoy it. Um, I had, I enjoyed being there, um, and, and the crazy thing, I, I'll say this and let you go, but uh, when I, I remember when I went to the Starcade, man, the place was packed. It looked like it felt like a big arena. Um, and now I go there, uh, or not now, thanks to COVID, but I was going there and watching a lot of the Charlotte Checkers hockey game. And I'm, I remember when I, when I first went in that building uh, to watch hockey a few years back, um, when I moved to, to the Charlotte area, um, was the fact that uh, I walked in, I was like, my gosh. And and I, I'm, I'm sure you, the listeners at home and Chris and Jeff have done this, but, like, you, you go to a building that has, like, a special memory for you, and then you leave and you never go back, and then you go back to that building 
for something different. But as you walk in the door, your your brain just like turns on and and all those memories of that day goes through your mind. And that's 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 how it is for me. Every single time I go to the Independence Arena, which is now called the Bojangles Arena, but to me it's gonna always be Independence Arena. But every time I go there, I'm like, there's where I was standing when Flair pulled in from the limo. That's where I'm standing when, you know, it's just a special building. I would love to wrestle there one day. Of course, I know that never happened, but it'd be awesome if it did. You know, there's something special about that building, and you have to kind of be there. And I've been there for wrestling. I've been there for ice hockey. There's not a bad seat in the house. Not anywhere. And, And it doesn't matter where you're sitting. It's like, it is one of those arenas from the 1940s and 50s that's still standing today, and uh, it's it, it, what so so much history. The 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 walls could talk literally. Yeah, if they could, man, it would be it would be <laughs> some could, great yeah. some great stuff uh, to, to tell there. All right, guys. Well, thanks again, fans, for joining us this week. Uh, if you aren't a subscriber go to our facebook page i know i'm a little lazy i don't update it every day uh it's just mostly once a week but if you go on there you can find out you know um what's happening at the binge buster show where we're going with that um i will tell you i'm not going to go into details but um in january uh we will be starting season three uh it's hard to believe that we've been doing doing this now for three years but uh Coming up on the third season of the Binge Buster Show, it's going to get bigger. We're going to have, uh, I've, 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 you know, I'm hoping to get some NWA legends back on the show uh, to, um, to to tell some stories and, and confirm some things that Chris and Jeff and I have talked about each week. Um, going to be doing that, and uh, not only that, but um, but uh, Chris and I are in the process of talking to somebody about starting another podcast strictly about music. I've, I've gotten a few, you know, there for a while. The Binge Buster Show was kind of doing music one week, wrestling another week. We're going to go season three, complete wrestling, but we're also going to be launching another podcast uh, on strictly rock and roll music. It's going to be it's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. But, uh, but right now, fans, make sure you go like our Facebook page and make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We are worldwide. Uh, so make sure that you um, don't miss an episode. Uh, guys, happy early Thanksgiving to you. We're going to talk to you guys tomorrow. And fans, make sure that you um, um, tune in tomorrow for the for the number one, the, fi- the finale of the Starcade uh, episodes uh, here on the Binge Buster Show. For Chris... And Jeff, I am Tony Binge. We will see you tomorrow on the Binge Buster Show. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.